Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? So exciting to be back with you this week. How many of you enjoyed our music celebration last week? Amen? Wasn't that wonderful? I tell you, it was a, it was a great time for the life of our church, and uh, it's a great time for us to just come and celebrate Jesus in that that way, but I'm excited about just diving back into God's Word and exploring our series that we've been going through the last couple of weeks. Uh, we started a new series called, uh, called A Child is Born. We were walking through Isaiah chapter 9. We were looking at verses 6 and 7, and so this morning we want to continue that uh, as we uh, just celebrate Jesus and the birth of our Savior. I want to pray for us this morning, then we're going to dive into God's Word together. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we just thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for this time together as a faith family. I thank you, Father, for just the amazing time of worship that we've had this morning, God, as we have lifted our voices in song and adoration and praise to you. And God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Father, for your presence in our life. And Lord, as we continue to, to live our life in a way that is pleasing to you, God, just also welcoming uh, God, just uh, every great opportunity you bring our way to, to not only bring glory to your name, to exalt the name of Jesus, to minister to others, but God, just to live for you. And God, we love you and we thank you for this time together where we can come and worship together in spirit and truth. We can dive into your word. And God, just uh, explore the truth there that, that teaches us so much about who you are and also a little bit about who we are. And so, Father, we, we give you this uh, time today as we prepare to dive into your word and we pray that you would just teach us that you would speak into our hearts and that God we would recognize uh, the things that you would have us to, to, to learn and to know we love you Lord and we praise you in the name of Jesus Amen have you ever noticed how many different ways Christmas is represented you know it, it's amazing you just go on Facebook and you can, you can see what I'm talking about but Christmas is represented in so many different ways. I mean, you see uh, so many different people talking about how they're going to experience Christmas or what they're going to do over the holidays in just so many really remarkable ways. One of the ways that we know Christmas is around is because people begin to bake cookies and they begin to bake those uh, cakes and pies and all those things. Uh, it, it's funny how many people begin to bake when Christmas rolls around and uh, and, and I just want to say, I really enjoy when people bring me baked goods. You know, I just want to kind of throw that out there. I haven't received many this year, but, uh, but I know a lot of y'all are baking, and so just a little hint there. But, but that's one of the ways we, we begin to notice that the holiday season is rolling into place is because people begin to, to do some of these things that, they're, that maybe they're not quite used to, to doing. And so uh, I know a lot of times Christmas, uh, there's a lot of parties, and, and many of us have already gone to many different Christmas parties and experienced the festivities and we begin to decorate the house and so there's just so many different ways that Christmas is represented uh, we begin to uh, just with great ex uh, expectation begin to plan for family to arrive and that's always good to see family that are coming in from out of town and so Christmas can be a very joyful time for us it can be a very exciting time for us it can be just a time that we really look forward to but also and this is something that we all need to to be aware of is that Christmas can be a time of loneliness and suffering and grief for some it can be a time where uh, you begin to remember things that you'd rather just soon forget there, uh, Christmas can be a time of of loneliness or grief uh, maybe for some 
Christmas is a time where they begin to think about that which they've lost. And so it, it, it can be a hard time for some people. And, and, uh, and I think because of that, uh, that's a really good reason to celebrate Jesus. And, and I think as we dive into God's Word here this morning, you're going to see what I'm talking about. But uh, whether we're here today and we're excited about Christmas and we're, we're excited about just spending time with family and, and, and just all that we're going to be doing over the Christmas holidays, or whether you're here today and there's a bit of loneliness in your heart, and there's a bit of just fear or maybe grief or sadness in your, in your life today, I can't think of a better way to celebrate Christmas than to celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so that's what Christmas is all about. It's about just worshiping Jesus, about remembering Jesus and thinking about Jesus. And, you know, one of the things we've been doing in this series is, is walking through the different names that Jesus has been given. You'll see some of them back here behind me on this board. But we've been walking through different names that Jesus was given all throughout Scripture. Yeah, but we know Jesus is his name. But uh, words like the, uh, uh, or titles like Messiah, Shepherd, Emmanuel, all these different things that we've been looking at. And just these names, I don't know about you, but just these names, Jesus, Messiah, Shepherd, Emmanuel, and different ones, they sort of beckon us to draw near to him, don't they? So whether we're excited and we're celebrating Christmas and, and just really looking forward to this, this next week uh, together with family and friends or whatever, um, you know, it, those names of Jesus just, just beckon us to remember him and remember what the holiday is all about or whether we find ourselves struggling this Christmas season. That name says, just come to me. You know, that name of Jesus, that the, the, the Emmanuel, all, just in itself, uh, meaning God with us. We're going to look at that even more today. It just beckons us to draw near to him. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at another name. We've been walking through Isaiah chapter 9, looking at verses 6 and 7. And as, we do, as we're doing that, we're looking at the different titles that, that the prophet Isaiah gave to Jesus. He gave him uh, these different titles, which uh, are, are really amazing. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so what we're going to look at today is Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. That's what we want to kind of look at and, and explore in the scriptures here this morning. You know, that's another name that I think evokes certain feelings for some of us here today we, we we hear the name father and uh just that name father uh you know it, it's it, it begins to stir in our hearts maybe maybe it's really fond memories that we had growing up with our dads or maybe it's not so fond of memories that we had with our dads but regardless when we hear the word father we we our hearts are stirred there's something about that word that sort of draws us in and and, and so the prophet isaiah he he declared that Jesus would be this everlasting father to us. And, and we begin to, with our minds, try to figure out what it is that Isaiah may be talking about here. What it is that he is trying to communicate to us as we think about Jesus in this way. And, uh, and, and so some of us may, you know, we, we may be thinking about this and thinking, man, that just brings so much excitement into our life. Or maybe for some of us, it sort of brings about a bit of sadness this year. I, I know uh, this year... On June the 30th uh, of 2017, I lost my dad. Most of you know that. Uh, my dad was very close to me. I was a very, uh, very, uh, he was my best friend. We just, we, you know, I love spending time with my dad. And so back in June when my dad passed away, you know, 
uh, it was a very hard time for me. It was a hard time for our entire family. But this year, as we approach Christmas, I'm starting to remember my dad and starting to really miss him all over again because Christmas is one of those times where I would get to go and, and spend time with my dad, spend time with my father. And uh, Linnell, and many of you all know this, but Linnell makes these uh, just killer chocolate turtles every year. I mean, she, she gets in there and turns our house into sort of like this commercial kitchen and she's making these chocolate turtles for everybody. And I just want to say this, she's not in this service. Everybody but me, okay? And so that, I'll just go ahead and throw that out. She, she, she just has me on this, uh, this turtle fast, I guess you might call it. But anyway, she's, uh, she's, she's making all these turtles. And my dad used to love these turtles. I mean, he, he, he just, that was the one thing every year he just waited for. And, and, and it just seemed like every year we would go home and we would arrive, you know, and we would pull up. And my dad, he was kind of cold-natured, so usually he's bundled up, especially in the wintertime. I mean, it could be 80, but if it's December, it's cold, right? And so he's bundled up. He'd have a jacket, and sometimes he'd have one of those snuggy blankets up, those fleece-type blankets. And we would walk in, and he would throw that thing off, and he would walk over there to us. He'd give us a hug, but he'd have that hand out like, where's my turtles? And as soon as he got that 10-pound bag of turtles, he'd go back to his chair, and he would sit there, and he'd let everybody visit while he starts munching on those turtles. You know, and, and those are just fond memories to think about, but that's all they are anymore, are just memories. We don't have an opportunity to do that this year because he's passed away. And so as we enter into this time of the year and we look at a, a passage where, where the prophet Isaiah speaks of Jesus as everlasting father, it, it really has caused me to think about all of this. You know, my earthly father was, a, was an amazing man, but... But I guess there comes with Jesus being the everlasting father a bit of expectation and hope, you know, that, that this is one who, who will never leave from me. You know, this is one who is with me forever. And so uh, I'm, I'm interested in knowing what it is that Isaiah is really trying to teach me about Jesus as he describes him as an everlasting father. And so I want us to look at that this morning. Go ahead and turn there, uh, if you will, Isaiah chapter 9. We'll just look at verse 6 here this morning to uh, kind of kick things off. But in Isaiah chapter six, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, uh, he writes these words. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, mighty God. We've already looked at those two. He says, everlasting Father, and then he says, Prince of Peace. And so this morning, we're going to zero in on this everlasting Father, one of the names that was attributed to Jesus, this everlasting Father. And, and, and I don't know about you, but to me, it's probably one of the most intriguing of the four names that, that the prophet Isaiah gave him. It's, it's one of the most intriguing but it's also one of the most complex to try to understand and, and try, to, try, try to figure out. So we're going to be looking at that this morning. And I think the question for us, if, uh, for those of us who may have, have, have studied Scripture and, and try to understand, you know, uh, the theological implications of all the names of Jesus, and we get to this one where the prophet Isaiah says, you know, he's the everlasting Father. And the question that sort of comes to to your, to your mind is this, how can the Son of God be the Father? And so that's where the question lies. And is that even what Isaiah is talking about? So that's what we want to 
look at here this morning, uh, I think one of the most important things that we could do is really understand what he's talking about here in this passage. Really understand the importance of what's being communicated to us in this title that has been given, this name that has been given to Jesus. And so we're going to be looking at this. That, you know, there's several things that we must know about this title that was given to the Messiah. And the first thing that we must know is this, is that when Isaiah wrote this, when he penned these words, uh, well, I don't think he had his pen back then, but when he, it, when he wrote down these words, uh, mighty God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and then he comes to everlasting Father, we, we need to know Isaiah was not confused, okay? He was not confused and he was not trying to mislead us when he said this. He was not trying to cause us to question theological implications that come with this title. Uh, in, in this verse, Isaiah is not teaching us that the Son of God is the Father as we know it in the Trinity, okay? We know the Trinity, we know the Godhead, if you will, to be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? We know that they are three persons in one. This is our God. It's, it's one God, let's don't, let's don't mistake that, but but there's three persons in there. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Isaiah, when he writes this, he's not trying to, he, he's not confused, and he's calling the Son, the Father. He's not, he's not getting them mistaken here. He's, he's not trying to mislead us. In fact, most scholars believe that he didn't even have the Trinity in mind when he was, when he was writing these words. So what did he mean? What, what was he trying to communicate when he described Jesus is everlasting Father. Uh, one of the things that, that we, we come to realize as we study this is that instead, what he was speaking of is the Messiah's character toward us as Father-like. And that's what we need to understand. That, that what Isaiah is teaching here is that he, when, he, when he gives this title to Jesus, he is saying he is a very fatherly king. He is very fatherlike in his kingship. And so that's what he's pointing to. He's not saying that the Messiah is taking the place of the Father. He's not confusing the two. That's not the Messiah's role. That's not the Son of God's role to be the Father. He's just saying that in his leadership, in his ruling, in his capacity as the Son, that he exhibits fatherlike characteristics. You know, one of the things about my dad that I, I, I've known all my life is that he was a very gentle man. In fact, uh, looking back on my dad's life, I mean, I, I can't tell you but two or three times in my life where I ever even saw my dad get angry. He was always just such a gentle man. And even in his angriness, he wasn't what we would typically see as angry. He was very gentle in his angriness. You know, he was just, he was just such a kind guy. He was a very loving guy. He was a very patient guy. He was a he was gentle and compassionate in every way. I mean, he was just a really amazing man. And in fact, I remember one time when, when my dad was retiring and he had this big retirement party, one of his friends that had known him for, for so long came up to me and he said to me, he says, David, I want you to know, you know, your dad was an amazing man. I said, yeah, he was a, he was a good man. He said, no, he was a great man. And I remember him just really bragging on my dad in that regard. And and I said, I said, well, that's what I meant. Great, not good. 
you know. And so, but he, he's, he's telling me about my dad, and he says, and he, he makes this comment about my dad. He says, I want you to know, I've known your dad since he was seven. I've known your dad all his life. And he says, your dad doesn't have a single person on this earth that doesn't like him. And I got to thinking about that, because that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? I mean, most all of us have at least an enemy or two. I mean, some of us probably have more than that. Some of us have people that just we don't get along with. That you know. And I got to thinking about it, and all my life of knowing my dad, all the years I've lived with him, I've never known anyone that didn't care an awful lot. In fact, they were always very intentional about saying that to me. Now, here's, what I was, here's why I say all of that. I say all of that because my dad is not Jesus. But he has Christ-like characteristics. Does that make sense? He, he exhibits all of the fruits of the Spirit. And so as I think about who he is, I know that my dad is not Jesus. He's not the Christ, but he looks a lot like Jesus, if that makes sense. And I believe that what Isaiah is saying, as he declares the name of Jesus as everlasting father, he's not saying he's the father as we know in the Godhead, but rather he is saying that he possesses all the great qualities of a great father as he leads us as our savior. And it's so important that we understand that. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and they said, I just don't understand this passage. I mean, is this referring to the Trinity? Is this pointing back? And so it's important that we understand that. But what is it? And so that's what he's not saying. He's not saying that. But what is it that he is saying? What is it that Isaiah is really trying to teach us here? And that's where I want to spend some time with you this morning. You know, as we look at this, we begin to realize that Isaiah is highlighting the eternal nature of Christ. The eternal nature of Christ. And so this is where it becomes very important to us as we think about who Jesus is uh, and how it relates to our life. We, we need to understand this. Isaiah probably spoke more about eternity than any other biblical author. I mean, he spoke a lot of it. In fact, one of my favorite verses, speaking of eternity, is found in Isaiah 57, 15. And I love this verse. It says this. It says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. Now, I want you to look at this phrase here for just a minute. Who inhabits eternity. Now, typically, when you and I think about eternity, what are we thinking? We're thinking of a timeline, aren't we? And, and the way we would describe eternity is that really it has no beginning and it has no end. I mean, we can't really say where it starts and where because it's eternity, right? I mean, it just, it's one of those things kind of hard to explain. It just it goes as far back as we can go, and it goes as far forward. I mean, you know, it just doesn't end. And so when we think of eternity, we typically think of some sort of timeline, but what I love about what Isaiah is revealing to us about God is he says here in this passage, and it's so incredible, he says, who inhabits eternity. In other words, he's sort of describing it as a dwelling place for God. And that just reveals to us just how majestic and how big and how huge our God is. How incredible our God is. I mean, he, 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 he dwells in all of eternity. And so there's this idea that, that he is eternal. And, 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 and this is hugely important to us as, as, as the prophet Isaiah 
is proclaiming about Jesus that he is the everlasting, or some translations would say the eternal Father, as he is laying that out, he is revealing to us the everlasting or eternal characteristic or nature of Christ, that he has always been and he will always be. Now, this becomes hugely important for us, especially around Christmas. And why is that? Because every Christmas we celebrate what? The coming of a Messiah. We, we celebrate the birth of a baby. And let me just say to you here this morning that Jesus did not begin. He didn't get his start in Bethlehem, okay? We need to understand that. And so this is the emphasis that, that Isaiah is trying to make. He, he wants the world to know that Jesus is eternal, that Jesus always has been and he always will be. And this becomes huge for us, especially as we consider our salvation. And so here we see where Jesus is this everlasting father with these characteristics of a great father to us, the Lord of lords, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, all of these things the creator of the heavens and earth, this good, good father that he is to us, but also everlasting. Not only is Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, but Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us forever. And that's something that we need to understand. That's something that we need. Here's what makes this so relevant to us here this morning is because that truth gives us so much expectation. That truth gives us so much hope in a world that can be very difficult. And most of you know this world can be very difficult. We go through so many valleys and so many mountaintops, of course, but so many valleys in our life, so many difficult circumstances. And the one thing that we can cling to, the one thing that we can hang on to is the eternal nature of Jesus. You know, as we think about him as a father, I love what Charles Spurgeon once said about Jesus being the everlasting father. He says this, he says, there is no unfathering Christ, and there is no unchilding us. He is everlastingly a father to those who trusted him. In other words, there are no goodbyes with Jesus. You know, people all over our world today have had dads who just walked out on them. People all over our world have had dads who they've lost, that have have died of just sometimes tragically lost their dad in death but one of the most remarkable things about Jesus is there are no goodbyes with him and I believe that's what this this passage is teaching us I believe that what Isaiah is truly want us to understand is the eternal nature of Christ that even death which the world by the way sees as the end of life right the world sees death as sort of the end of our life, right? I mean, we live, maybe we live to 85, and then we die, and we turn to dust, and that's the end. That's the way the, the world would describe death, right? But here's what's remarkable about death, that we believe as believers in Christ Jesus, that death just brings us closer to Jesus. It brings us closer to Jesus. It brings us into the presence of the Father forever. And that's what's so beautiful about who Jesus is. To really understand this, I want us to, to take us here this morning to John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at 14 verses found there. But John, chapter 1, 
John, one of the Gospels of four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and you know, what we know about the Gospels is the Gospels, uh, these, the, the Gospel uh, writers, they're, they're telling the story of Jesus. They're letting us know who Jesus is. In other words, they're telling us the good news of Christ, right? And so that's what the Gospels are. I love the language. I love the language that John uses, especially in the beginning when he describes Jesus as the Word. I love that. But John is going to do just like the other gospel writers. He's going to begin to talk about Jesus. But what I love about John's gospel is that the very first thing that he wants to cover, the very beginnings of his letter, I mean, he, he sees this as probably, I guess, most important of all the things that he's going to talk about, but he wants to cover the eternal nature of Jesus right from the start. And so let's look at this here this morning. In John chapter 1, starting with verse 1, it says this. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now look at verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as only the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here's what... I believe about this. Uh, I believe that there are two truths that every Christmas we should unpack. I believe that the church, every Christmas, should un unveil or unpack two truths that I think are hugely important. And I believe a lot of times we, we fail to remember, we fail to think about. The first truth is this, is that Jesus has eternally existed. Jesus has eternally existed. It says here, and John says this in verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word. We said that the Word was describing Jesus. This was, this was uh, John's creative way of describing Jesus. Jesus said he is the Word. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, look at this, was God. That's hugely important. Right out the gate, John is describing the divinity of Christ. He is revealing to us that Jesus Christ is divine, that he is not just fully man, as so many of the people in this world believe, but that he is fully God, okay? And this is hugely important. And so he says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He says in verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things, just in case you were wondering what the beginning is that John is talking about, he goes ahead and tells you. He says, in the beginning, all things were through him. 
were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, why is this so important? It's so important because we must know, we must understand that Christmas doesn't begin in Bethlehem. Christmas does not begin in Bethlehem. This is not the start of our Savior's story. The, the reality is the Word of God teaches us that Jesus has always been, that he has always existed, and it becomes very important for us to understand that Jesus is divine, Jesus is eternal, Jesus has always been and will forever be, will forever be. Our Savior is eternal. Jesus himself even testified to this truth. I love how he did this. Just before, just before Jesus was arrested, just before he was arrested and would ultimately go to the cross uh, and, and die there by a horrible death called crucifixion. Just before all of that, we have what has become known to us as the high priestly prayer where Jesus turns as the Son of God, he turns to the Father and he prays to the Father. Listen to his prayer as he turns to the Father. He says this in John 17. He says, I have glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, he says in verse 5, he says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Before there was a world, before there was a universe, before there were stars, before there was anything that you have ever seen in your life, Jesus was. In fact, the scriptures teach us that everything, and that's what we just read, everything was created through him. It is so important that we understand the eternal nature of Christ Jesus, that he eternally existed. And so this is what John begins to reveal to us. This is what we see Jesus himself even revealing to us. The second truth that I want to unpack here this morning, we're just about done. The second truth I want us to unpack is that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. This is a truth that no Christmas story should, be, should go without, that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. This is so important for us to understand. This is what John says to us in verse 14. He says, and the word became flesh. You see that? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is one that is really hard for the world to wrap their minds around. You remember when the prophet Isaiah and even others said this? They said, there's going to be a child that is born. There's going to be a child that's born. There's going to be a son that is given. He's going to come by way of a virgin named Mary, okay? And his name will be called, listen to this, this is huge, his name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, how is that even possible? You see, what we have is we have God who comes to this earth, God who comes to this earth in the form of the Son. He comes to this earth and he wraps himself in flesh, and that's what the scriptures are teaching us here. He is wrapping himself in flesh that he may walk with us on this earth. There are two words that we need to understand the real meaning of uh, here in this message here this morning. 
The first one is Emmanuel, which I just mentioned to you. Emmanuel, it literally means God with us. But it describes Jesus as emptying himself of all his glory and coming to this earth. It's describing more than just saying God with us because we have God with us in his spirit, don't we? But it's referring to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is referring to him coming and wrapping himself with flesh uh, with us. Paul wrote it like this in, in his letter to the Philippians. He says this. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who through, who though, excuse me, who though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself of all of his glory. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of of men Jesus manifested through the flesh the second word that we need to understand and this one's almost equally as important is incarnation it's not a title that was given to Jesus but it was an action that was taken by Jesus incarnation is something that we need to understand it is the act of being made into flesh that's what that word means. You may have heard people before say this, the incarnation of Christ. What does that mean? It's the act of being made flesh. It's used to indicate Jesus taking on human flesh. You know what's really remarkable about this is, is that as we try to wrap our minds around this truth of what the Bible is teaching us, we, we look at the writings of Paul, and even Paul described this as mysteries to us Paul would say this he would say it's the mysteries of godliness you know there's just some things we really can't wrap our minds around three in one that's that's one that sort of boggles our mind how can we worship one God yet three persons within the Godhead that's one that is very difficult for us to explain how can we wrap our minds around God emptying himself and coming to this earth to be wrapped in flesh I mean that's something that really boggles the mind and even the Apostle Paul as he tried to process all of this he described it as the mysteries of godliness listen to what he said as he was writing to Timothy this young pastor he says great indeed we confess is the mysteries of godliness and then speaking of Jesus he says this he was manifested in the flesh. Exactly what we're talking about here. Emptying himself of all of his glory. And coming to this earth, being born of a virgin Mary. Being born as a babe in Bethlehem. Being born into poverty. Being born as a servant. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant and taking on the form of man flesh and blood wrapped around our God our Savior Paul says these are mysteries he was manifested in flesh he was vindicated by the Spirit seen by the angels proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world and taken up in glory Jesus, our Savior. 
this Christmas season, let us be sure that we recognize that Christmas doesn't begin in Bethlehem. That it, long, it began long before, before your parents even knew about you. Long before you, were, you would come into this earth. Long before this earth was even existed. Jesus was there. He's in the beginning. He's in the end. He's everywhere. So as we look at these two words, Emmanuel, incarnation, what's the big deal about all of this? Why is it so important that we understand the eternal nature of Jesus? Why is it so important that we understand that he is God wrapped in flesh? Why is it so important? It's important because if Jesus was going to one day go to the cross for you and go to the cross for me if he was going to go to the cross as a sacrificial lamb whose body would be hung on a tree if he was going to go to the cross whose side would be pierced and his blood would be spilled for the atonement of our sin then he had to be a flesh and blood and so God having a great love for us the scriptures would declare having a love for us that's unconditional, having a love for us that goes beyond anything we could imagine. He sent his son, Jesus, to be born in a manger, to ultimately go to the cross, fully God, yet fully man, and to be hung on that cross where he would die. For my sin, for your sin his blood pouring out of his body until death taken down from that old rugged cross and placed in a borrowed tomb but in three days having victory over both death and sin he was raised from the grave the one whom we celebrate every Christmas is not just simply a baby. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is an everlasting Father. And He is our Prince of Peace. How many of you would testify that truth with me this morning? Amen. That's who we worship. That's who we praise. Hebrews 9.22 says it like this. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. A blood sacrifice, of course, requires a body of flesh and blood. Hebrews 10.5 says, Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In just a moment, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And this is a remarkable time for the body of Christ to come together, the, the local church to come together in unity, to come together in love, to come together remembering exactly who Jesus is, but also what he accomplished for us. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, our men are going to come, and they're going to 
take their positions and prepare to pass out the elements of the Lord's Supper. And then after I pray, the, 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 the worship team will lead us into this, this song, this last song, if you will, while the men, they distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper. And this is what I want to ask of you this morning. As the men distribute those elements and as you, as you pass the plates, as you take those elements from the plate, and as you listen to the, the worship team just lead us in a, a time of worship, would you just reflect on how beautiful Jesus is? Would you just spend a moment thinking about the glorious nature of Christ? The fact that he is eternal, which gives us hope and expectation. The fact that he is divine and eternal. Would you just remember the broken body that took place on the cross? Would you remember the blood that was spilled out? He didn't deserve it. We did. He bled for you and he bled for me. Could we just worship through reflection as we consider all that Jesus is and when the band finishes that last song I will come and we will participate we will partake together in the bread and the cup to remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ